Hello everyone and welcome to Energy Explored. This podcast covers the challenges of achieving a carbon neutral global economy, cutting emissions of gases and pollutants and setting up new energy systems. Join Reed Smith lawyers and guest speakers as they shed light on the most important trends in emissions control and new fuels. Tune in as we follow the ever-evolving journey through the transition of energy. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Energy Explore channel. My name is Nadia Maki and I'm an associate in Reed Smith's Energy and Natural Resources Group. I'm based in the London office and my area of practice is mostly in the finance sector. So I work on commodity finance matters and sports finance matters. I'm here today with my colleagues Hui Ling Tio and Jodie Wood. We are really excited to talk to you about our predictions in the sustainable aviation fuel space. So over to you guys. Hi, morning Nadia. Hi Hui Ling. Thank you very much. I'm Jodie Wood. I'm a partner at Reed Smith in the Transportation Industry Group, specialising in aviation and shipping. And I'm also looking forward to talking about sustainability in the aviation sector. Morning, everyone. Although it's afternoon here in Singapore, I'm Hui Ling. I'm a transportation industry group partner focusing solely on aviation and sustainability is my passion. So I'm very, very glad to be joined by Jody and Nadia in this predictions podcast. Thank you both. I think we're a really good mix of practice areas and experiences. And I think it's a really exciting topic to be discussing with you both today. So we've managed to pull together a, a couple of predictions. Our first one, which is my personal favorite, is the role that we think celebrities will play in the in the South space over 2023. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Nadia. What a great call. I mean, we've seen sustainable aviation fuel sort of explode into more mainstream communications in the industry. The Sustainable Aviation Buyers Alliance, SABA, is obviously huge in the market and there are so many other industry groups, right? But with airlines taking up more SAF, I do think SAF will go actual mainstream all the way down to consumers. And why not celebrities, influencers, right? I think there will be a huge effort to rally consumer tastes into more sustainable flight and I'm excited about that. Any thoughts, Jody? Yes, it reminds me of that that picture I saw in the news a while back of two celebrities, I think, who were in a relationship standing on a runway and there was some sort of caption saying, should we take uh, my private jet or yours? And perhaps in six months' time, the, the image will be, is my private jet more sustainable or is yours? And they'll be comparing the percentage rate of blended sustainable aviation fuel in the mix. So I think it's a great shout. I'm looking forward to seeing that. What do you think? I mean, Jody, you, you do disputes, right? With shouts about going green with transportation, but still using business jets. Like what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think this is, I think this is absolutely fascinating. I mean, there are so many different angles to all of this. Just this week, I've seen criticism in the national newspapers of our prime minister, who's been hopping on his RAF private jet to go to meetings from London to Blackpool and, and Hull and various other places. I think you're right. I think you'll end up seeing pressure on people perhaps not to take those kind of short hops and maybe to take the train. 
But actually, I think what's even more interesting is the greenwashing litigation that might come out of this. We're seeing a lot of pushback against companies or entities who are trying to talk about their their green credentials. And there have been a couple of examples of this. There was one case with a UK airline that was promising the lowest prices and the lowest emissions. And there was pushback against that advertising campaign. And when they looked into it, they found that that UK airline was operating on data that was eight years old. And, you know, the advertising watchdog wasn't very happy of it. There was another matter where there was a European carrier offering flights from Vienna to Venice for an art festival. And they, they were saying, well, your, your flight is 100% powered by sustainable aviation fuel. And what one of the Dutch activists challenged it. And it turns out that, of, of course, it wasn't 100% sustainable aviation fuel because commercial flights were only blended to 50% currently. And, and actually, what was being offered was the opportunity for the, the passengers to invest in the ticket more, make a contribution, which went towards scaling up of sustainable aviation fuel. And it was really just an offset on their own ticket. It didn't mean the whole flight was powered by sustainable aviation fuel. So I think these companies, to go back to your original question, to avoid the litigation, and it's almost like the litigation is not the worst of it. It's the bad press that comes with it that's the worst of it. They will be, I think they will be working harder to make sure that their green claims are credible and they don't get accused of greenwashing, which seems to be the major crime at the moment. Yeah, I think that's like super, super important. And definitely the theme of accountability calculation and ensuring that reputational risk is mitigated is huge in this space. And, you know, it's, it's great to see efforts from all industry players, from various levels of government to private corporations, to celebrities, to individuals. But, you know, this brings to light another trend I think we'll, we'll be seeing in 2023, which is that aviation may come up against other transportation modes as a competition almost because you've seen that in France, for example, routes that are reachable by train within 2.5 hours will no longer be serviced by by certain flights. So I think this trend is going to expand more widely, perhaps across different jurisdictions, but even more so into private corporations who may start to think about their scope three emissions and start looking at flight policies for short business travel. I think that's a really interesting point. I mean, we've seen that over recent years when it comes to cars as transport or transport by road, where alternative methods such as if it's a short drive, why don't you walk or why don't you cycle? And we've seen schemes in London, such as the the Boris bikes being introduced or the congestion charge being introduced so you don't take your car into central London. So I think it's a very, very interesting comparison that we can make as to how maybe the aviation sector will adapt for short haul flights as well. Yeah, I think that's a very good point, Nadia, actually. And that that kind of feeds into the overall carbon reductions. And you're absolutely right, those schemes are in place across all industries and, of course, the the carpooling as well to make better use. So I think 
I think I think that is a question. To what extent is, is the overall aviation footprint going to be reduced? But sort of slightly dragging us all back onto the mainstream topic of sustainable aviation fuels here and what what alleviation of carbon footprint that can offer. I mean, at the moment, I think we are, I, th- I think we're at 0.1% of all fuels used in aviation are sustainable aviation fuels. And the Refuel EU aviation proposal is aiming to, obviously, as part of the effort to make aviation net carbon zero by 2050, is trying to upscale the use of sustainable aviation fuel to 60 odd percent by 2050. Considering we're at 0.1%, that, that seems to bring in a fair few challenges, Wheeling. Definitely several challenges in terms of feedstock supply, transportation of SAF into aircraft. And one of the innovations we've seen over the last couple of years is the SAF credits, right? Nadia, I mean, I think you mentioned when we were speaking previously that you do some work on the carbon credit side of things, right? And we were discussing the export restrictions in respect of carbon credits in some countries. Yeah, I think actually it could be that SAF credits may face similar restrictions, especially with geopolitical risks coming into fall. We see that happening with respect to carbon credits in several developing nations in Asia. And yeah, you, you'll see that perhaps SAF producing countries with the ability to, to issue SAF credits could look at potential protectionist um, policies as well. That being said, though, the aviation industry has throughout its history been quite flexible and nimble and able to collaborate across um, nations, especially with things like the Cape Town Convention, International Registration System. So I do have a lot of hope for us being able to avoid the the brunt of these headwinds. Yeah, super interesting. Yeah, what do you think, Nadia? Yeah, so as you mentioned, like we spoke about this a, a couple of days ago, I think that the SAF credit point is very interesting looking at it from a finance perspective because we've been working recently in our team on on behalf of lenders on how we would take security over a borrower's carbon credit and realizing that this is actually a very valuable asset and as you said Huilang the key point that we discovered is actually how transferable are these credits And so a key point that a lender would be looking at is should they enforce against a loan whereby they have taken security over these form of credits, how would they actually be able to then take control or get these credits transferred into the lender's name to then be able to sell on and realize the value of that asset for themselves to recover their money. So it will be interesting to see how SAF credits are seen in, in terms of their as a, as a tangible or intangible asset and how transferable they, they will be if that is seen as something that lenders would want to lend against. And I think especially as one of the key points in the development of SAF has been that we need more investment into the development and production and supply of SAF. 
And that's where I think lenders will be playing or the financial institution will be playing a big role into helping to finance the, the growth and development of SAF. Yeah, that's a great call, Nadia. And I, I do think that blended finance is perhaps one of the ways forward with SAF and other sustainable technologies coming into fall. Yeah, and I think it, it leads on, doesn't it, into all, we leads on to a couple of points, is the amount of infrastructure that's required to actually use SAF in a physical sense, stepping away from security over the credits for a moment. We have all these different air, um, airlines operating at airports, which may be closer or further away than refineries. And then it's not just a question of getting the SAF to the airport. We've actually then got a blending issue on site, haven't we? Because not all aircraft and airlines are running off the same percentage mix of sustainable aviation fuel. And it's it's unclear how how much investment is going to be required to, to do that. And, you know, to what airports will that apply? Is there going to be a certain level of traffic that that you need to hit or a certain volume of passengers before uh, you get to a stage where it's mandatory, for example, to have some sort of blending facility which services all the airlines, which uses the airports? I was reading the other day that, um, you know, actually one of the Middle East airlines, and, and I think actually the, the Royal Air Force in the UK, has actually successfully now tested 100% sustainable aviation fuel, whereas actually as part of that refueling new aviation proposal we were talking about earlier, actually I think the next benchmark requirement is just to hit a 2% blend by 2025. So we don't seem to have any... uh, I, I think there's an effort here to obviously standardise, particularly within the EU and on the refuel EU proposal. But I think that standardisation is going to be key to make it a, pl- a level playing field to to attract the the investment. And to be honest, I think that's going to have to be led by governments because you know why should why should private entities bear that kind of credit risk and why would they want to in the uh, in the interim? Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that, Jody. And I think that's a very much a, a today problem when we talk about the issues of where blending will take place or even if the, the the current pipeline network is used for supplying the SAF to the airport. So we've got a, a potential issue of contamination within the pipes. If the same pipes that are transporting the jet A fuel are also then being used to supply the SAF for blending on site. But I think once, as you mentioned, there is a sort of international standardization of the blending percentage or even just use of SAF in aviation, I think this this issue might actually go away because if 100% of flights are running on the same blend of SAF, then surely the, the SAF that's being transported through the existing pipeline network will will be the fuel that's being used by all the airlines so there won't ever be an issue of later blend at different percentages or contamination along the way because that will be the fuel that is going to be used rather than one of the options that is used on flights. 
Yeah, that's it's interesting you, you say that because I, I was reading that, that even within those uh, EU proposals, there's already a carve out for certain categories of transport, be it military or police or or whatever it might be. So even if at a commercial level you agree that standardisation, everyone operates it on it, it's, it's it still seems that they, there's going to have to be bespoke blending at some stage and wherever that happens. Now, talking about another another kind of blending that Jody and Nadia you've mentioned, I think yeah, that's right. I mean, SAF needs to be blended, but also probably finance, right? Because as you mentioned, commercial financing, great, but because these technologies are so nascent and the scaling up of SAF, the speed of which will happen, how we're going to pipe SAF into aircraft is all a little bit up in the air and, and subject to technical advancement. Yeah, I do think, you know, blending typical commercial finance with government support, support from philanthropic sources, will be another huge trend in 2023. It is interesting because we might see some claims harking back to Nadia's point on the contamination. We see this. We see this in the shipping world. We know that Jet A One cargoes are, are amongst the most expensive cargo shipped, and when they get contaminated, and you end up having to mitigate by blending that into a less a less high spec fuel, those claims can run into millions. And you actually imagine that same that same issue is going to crop up somewhere along the line, isn't it? At airports where you get some. Um, Jet A1 fuel being contaminated by some SAF where it's not supposed to be. And it'll be interesting to see the claims and the liabilities falling out of that and whether that falls to the airport or whether it falls to the uh, the people providing the SAF offtake infrastructure there and the risk of where that, that liability falls. Yeah, that's interesting, Jodie, because it would be, it would, it's just another version of sort of a supply chain dispute isn't it? Yeah, quite. But one one thing I think will be really important for 2023, and I think that's why it makes it a really exciting year to have these predictions for SAF, will be SABAR's SAF registry. And I think the, the introduction of this registry, which is expected sometime this year, will be really interesting to see if this increases the investment and funding into the development of SAF because the registry will create a certification of, of SAF and hopefully that will create transparency in the certification and in the product that's being produced and so externally investors or financiers might see this as a, a, good, a good investment opportunity. Yeah, thanks Nadia. 2023 does indeed look exciting. And just to wrap up, because you know, I'd love to keep on going, but a quick wrap up, it sounds like it's standardization of SAF blends, blended financing coming to four, financing of SAF credits coming to four, reputational risk and greenwashing litigation being concerns, potentially contamination disputes to be worked around and risks surrounding that and the mainstream acceptance of SAF in 2023. It'd be really fun if we, we regrouped in a year and then we can see you know, which of these predictions, if any, came true. <laughs> Great. 
That sounds like a great idea. Thanks, Faith, and lovely to chat. Thanks, Jodie. Thanks, Nadia. I'll see you around. Bye, and bye, everybody. And thank you very much for joining the Energy Explore channel. We hope to meet you again soon. Energy Explored is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McCardle. For more information about Reed Smith's energy and natural resources practice, please email energyexplored at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and reedsmith.com. And our social media accounts at Reedsmith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.